0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Today we're kicking off this brand new series called Revolutionary, and we're taking a look at some incredible things we're going to see from the life of Jesus. And can you remember the first time you found or discovered something that was just revolutionary? I remember the first time I held one of these in my hands. The first time I grabbed an iPhone, it was like my mind just blew up. I felt like I'd stepped into Star Trek or something incredible. And it was an extraordinary moment. This phone, I knew that somehow I had just stepped into the future. This phone was gonna revolutionize my whole life and I still didn't know everything it was capable of. And so it's such a cool thing when you experience that revolutionary thing. In fact, we're working with our devices right now. I don't know if you can see this, but we're working on an app for us as a church that we can use for when we come back to in-person services on Easter for outdoor services. Super excited. We're not ready to fully unroll it yet, but we're working on it. But it's gonna revolutionize how we meet together as a church family, as we're still navigating COVID and looking at returning to in-person outdoor services. But whenever a revolutionary moment happens, it's because someone brings something new, so something new that, that sparks the imagination, that, that totally transforms our world and transforms our lives. And that's why I think it's incredible when we look at Jesus and, and explore his life, because he might be the most revolutionary person who ever lived. I mean, he revolutionized our world by transforming the way that we connect with God the way that we we pursue a relationship with him. And and Jesus did this, he transformed it, because he he basically said it's not about religion. Like, if if Jesus isn't in the equation, really the primary way that we attempt and endeavor to, to find God or connect with him is through some kind of religious expression of some sort. And yet when Jesus showed up, he turned religion on its head and showed us something new a revolutionary idea, which is such good news for us. Because I don't know if you've ever really thought about this or paid attention to this, but as a human race, we tend to have a fascination with all things religious. I mean, just look at human history in every culture at every point in time had some kind of religious expression or spiritual religious outlet of some sort. So much so that, that we sometimes just take it by default or we say, no, I don't want this anymore. I, I've appreciated some of the voices of the modern popular atheists and the books that they've written. So so many of them just have this outcry against religion and, and their premise is kind of like goes like this. Religion is at best benign. At worst, it's terrible because it creates so much hatred and division amongst people. And, and so their premise is it's a horrible thing. Therefore, we don't need God anymore. Surprisingly, I actually agree with their premise. I do think religion can be a harmful thing, but I don't agree with the conclusion that therefore we don't need God. No, no, what I actually think we need to do is figure out how to rediscover God without all the baggage of religion that we've accumulated along the way. And yet like it or hate it, we're fascinated by religion. And I think one of the reasons why we 're so fascinated by religion is that when we engage in religious stuff it it gives us a feeling of being in control so we, we take God or, or whatever our spirituality is and we attempt to fit it into these tidy little boxes or systems or or steps to do life and and in doing that well we we create a bunch of rules or rituals that we follow, and, and sometimes we don't even like these things, but, but we've just been doing them for so long that they become familiar and comfortable to us, and so therefore they feel safe, and, and they kind of make us feel like, well, we get to be in control as we chase after our, our God or whatever we're looking for. We, we get to have the sense of control, because I, I can do my religious stuff whenever I want to. I can do my religious things when I feel like it. And so it's really fascinating when you encounter Jesus and yet still want to pursue religion at the same time. It it's actually kind of creates a, a little bit of a dilemma because here's the deal. Jesus never came to start some new religion. Jesus came to fulfill God's promise of rescue. He came to restore broken things in this world, broken things around us, broken things like you and me in our lives. He came to restore the brokenness that's in us and to restore the brokenness that's between us and God. And see, Jesus came to break us free from all the trappings of religion and all the things that lead us into the the, the life that, that is broken and stuck. He came to lead us out of that into this life we were meant to live a life that's connected to God, that, that has a restored relationship with Him, the, the life we were meant for, the, the life we see glimpses of when we see the beginning story in the pages of the Bible and the, the opening chapters of Genesis, where, where we see God just at work doing incredible things and then He comes to us as the human race and, and He does something extraordinary with us, which totally breathes His breath of life into us and we became living human beings And God walked with us and we knew him and we reflected him to one another in this world that he gave us to to run in. And then God made us in his image so we could be like him. He breathed that breath of life into us so that we could be more than just creatures of nature, but we could be human beings, people of purpose and passion and power in this world. And so we were created for real relationship with God. But that's where things can get tricky when we start getting caught up in religion. Because again, religion kind of is our attempt to have control over the relationship. But if you know anything about a healthy relationship, you don't control the other person. Especially if that other person is God. And yet religion is ultimately our attempt to tame God. But in the endeavor of doing so, it winds up taming us. And so here comes Jesus to break us free from the straitjacket of religion and to lead us into a whole new life with him and a whole new life with God. And so it's somewhat ironic whenever we encounter Jesus and seek to follow him and then turn him into some kind of religious endeavor, some religious thing, because Jesus and religion, they weren't friends. You look at his life and you see that it was actually the religious establishment that opposed Jesus. It was the religious establishment that handed him over to Rome to be crucified. And when we look at his life, we see that there's a lot of tension between Jesus and the the religious establishment in his day. And yet whenever Jesus showed up on the scene, he was bringing his revolutionary ideas about this whole new way to live life and find life with God once again. And yet because this challenged the religi- religious establishment in his day, inevitably sparks would always fly. We, we see an instance of this in the life of Jesus in, in the, the account of his life that his friend John writes. John's account, the gospel of John, John chapter 7, we see this story that, that Jesus shows up into the capital city of Jerusalem. He goes to the, the temple. There's this huge religious festival that's underway and People are in this all this buzz about him because he's been doing all this amazing stuff, saying incredible things, performing miraculous things. People aren't sure what they think about him, but they're excited because Jesus is suddenly showing up on the scene and, the, and and they're just curious what he's gonna do. And so they're all there to take part in this huge religious festival. And it's the celebration of something that God had done in their ancient past when He was leading them out of slavery from Egypt into their new life, and through the desert, and they were dying of thirst. And through Moses, God said, here's water, and he created water flowing from a rock. And so this festival is to celebrate that moment. So there's this epic moment in the middle of the festival where the priests are doing sacrifices on the altar, and they suddenly pour water out on the altar, and the water starts to flow down the steps to the feet of the people. It's this beautiful symbolism of God providing the satisfaction that's needed But for so many, it had just become a religious thing that they'd done. And then right in the middle of this festival, Jesus does something extraordinary. He stands up and he says these words. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For, For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And see, this is, this is such a pivotal moment for Jesus. The timing is so intentional because here they are in this huge religious moment and Jesus stands up and says, hey, everyone, this thing that we've been doing for generations has been pointing to me. You need to understand it's not the religious attempts that will satisfy you. It's not this temple. It's not the altar. It's not the priests. I will satisfy you. And so you can imagine at this moment, everyone's kind of like, whoa, and and they're divided about him. Some people are like, this is incredible. Some people are like, you're crazy. The religious leaders are upset because he's challenging them. So they actually send their guards to go arrest Jesus. And so the guards show up, but they hear Jesus talking and they're just amazed at what he's saying. So they go back empty handed and and the religious leaders are like, what? He's fooled you too? And so they're upset in this moment because Jesus disrupted the day with his revolutionary idea. And thank God he did so because he's showing us a a whole new way to find life and satisfaction that has nothing to do with religion and everything to do with him by embracing this whole new life he's come to give us, this life Jesus offers to every single one of us. It's revolutionary, but it challenged the establishment and they weren't happy. So the next day, they're coming after Jesus. And so we read this in John chapter 8. They come after him, but Jesus refused to play by the petty rules of their religious games. Check this out. So at dawn, he, Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, this is one of the religious groups in his day, brought in a woman caught in the act of adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And then John lets us know they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Okay, talk about an awkward moment. I mean, here's Jesus coming back to the temple, hanging out at this huge festival, and suddenly this hubbubbubbub is Uh, unfolding and you could see this angry mob kind of dragging someone through the crowd and there, right at the feet of Jesus they throw this woman and say Jesus we caught her in the act of adultery that's got to be an awkward moment in and of itself and now here they are all standing around her this woman is just in shock and awe the shame of her life exposed to everyone in the place and it's anger and hatred and they're talking about killing her and yet here's the deal this this whole thing is a setup they're just trying to get Jesus in trouble. So they're they're right. These religious leaders are right. That the law of Moses does say that you're supposed to judge her, you're supposed to condemn her. Like it says that anyone who commits adultery is supposed to be killed. And yet here's the here's the double standard. Where's the guy? Like, why why did they just bring her out? I mean, how how ridiculous is this on so many levels, but even on this one front? I mean, just the ugliness of a patriarchal society that that, that toxic masculinity, not, not, not trying to walk and support each other equally, but damaging and destroying people. And there's so much going on in the story that's damaging and ugly, and religion is part of it. And so here's what they're trying to do with Jesus. They're trying to get him in trouble. See, they're saying, Jesus, this is what the law says. So Jesus, are you going to stand with the law? Because that's what we all believe. And if Jesus doesn't stand with the law and he says, no, let her go, then they can say, ah, he's not a real rabbi. He's not a real teacher. People, we just discredited him. We can ignore this Jesus guy. But if Jesus does affirm the law and say, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do, then they're going to run to Rome because at this point in history, the only people who have the authority to bring about an execution is Rome. They don't have that authority. So they'll go to Rome and say, Jesus is just creating trouble and he's trying to act with the authority he doesn't have. And so they've got him in this dilemma. And so here's this woman dragged into this moment. They've got her dead to rights, caught in the act of adultery. And now they've got Jesus stuck in the horns of a dilemma. Here's what the law says, Jesus. Here's what's supposed to happen. We have these rules that we all have to live by. What should we do? And I love what Jesus does. He just doesn't play the game. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. He doesn't even engage with them. He just is like, oh. he just drops down in the dirt near the woman, just starts doodling in the sand. Now, we have no idea what he's doing. I mean, some people will speculate. They'll say like maybe he's writing down sins that the crowd has committed, or he's writing down names of, of the, the, the angry mob of men who've done the same thing. This woman's like, we, we have no idea. John doesn't tell us. For all we know, Jesus is playing tic-tac-toe, but it's effective because it stops them in their tracks. And so they're still upset. So when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. That's a powerful statement. That's a heavy statement. I mean, who of any of us could say, I don't have any sin, mess, brokenness, ugliness in my story. I could easily condemn everyone else because my life is perfect. I mean, these are self-righteous religious jerks, but they're not that stupid. They know there's mess in their life. And look what happens. Look how they respond because Jesus doesn't play the game. He's doing something totally different. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. That's just fascinating that John lets us know it's the older ones who dropped the stones and walk away first. Because there's just something about the longer you've lived life, the more dirt you realize you have on your hands. And here's Jesus. He stops them dead in their tracks. He doesn't play the game. He's doing something totally different. And pretty soon, the crowd disperses And it's just him with the woman. And look at what Jesus does. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I love this about Jesus. He's doing something revolutionary. He's not playing by the religious games. And it's absolutely amazing to see what he's offering to this woman in this moment. Because here's Jesus. He doesn't play the religious games. He doesn't condemn her because of what she's done. But look closely. Neither does he condone what she's done. No, instead he does something altogether different. Like he meets her right in her embarrassment, right in her shame. And he calls her out of that brokenness into something altogether different. This invitation to step into a whole new life. That's the same invitation he makes to every single one of us. And it's got nothing to do with religion because religion can never offer us the freedom Jesus does. So this is what religion teaches me to do. Rel- religion points the finger of judgment and condemnation and it rubs it in our faces when we mess up and it says, be better or else. And so when I try to live up to all the religious games, when I try to be better, it, It doesn't really work because even if I can be good according to the rules, it doesn't make me a good person. More often than not, it just makes me a judgmental jerk towards everyone else. And so I'm either the guy in the mob holding the stones, ready to condemn anyone and everyone for their mistakes. Or I'm the one laid out in the dirt, caught in my mistakes. Embarrassed, ashamed, waiting for the stones to start flying. Man, no wonder we hate religion. No wonder we we just feel stuck when we're caught up in it, hoping, can there be a better way than this? Are there any other options? And then we hear rumors of this guy named Jesus. This guy who doodles in the dirt instead of playing petty religious games. This guy, Jesus, who who fully sees us as we are, the good, the bad, the ugly, he fully sees the mess, and yet he doesn't condemn us. And he doesn't condone it. But instead, he offers us a way out. A way out of brokenness into a whole new life with him. The life that leads us into freedom and Restored relationship with God once again. And see, when we encounter Jesus, oh, he calls us out of religion and into restoration. Restoration of what's been broken in our lives all along. And he, we, we find the one who's come to fix that brokenness and lead us home to God once again. But to step into that life, you and I, we have to be willing to lose our religion stop playing the silly games, and to step into something altogether new and revolutionary with Jesus. And who's ready for that kind of life? Who's ready to leave behind the games and encounter something new? I know I am. That's why I'm pursuing Jesus and chasing after him the best I know how, because I know he's got a life for me. And I I want to experience that life he's come to give me. And if that's you today, let let me ask you a couple questions. A couple of questions that are good to wrestle with because in wrestling with them, we'll see what Jesus actually wants to offer us. So here's my first question for you today. What stones are you holding that Jesus is calling you to let go of? Whew. We all hold stones, don't we? And maybe you're holding stones today towards someone who's different than you. Somebody you don't like. Maybe, maybe you're holding stones towards somebody that has a different political view than you do. Oh my goodness, we're really good at throwing political stones, aren't we? Here's my agenda, here's my view of how it should be, and you're liberal or you're conservative or you're different than me, so I'm going to take you out. Or Maybe you're holding stones towards somebody who's different from you socially. Like they just live a very different lifestyle than you and you just want to throw stones of condemnation at them. Or maybe you're looking at somebody who's different than you ethnically and that difference is too great for you to wrap your mind around. Or maybe you're looking at somebody who's spiritually different than you and you want to throw stones. And the reason we want to throw stones is because we believe that they're wrong. But more than just thinking that they're wrong, we want to condemn them for being wrong. And so we go through life cocked and loaded with these stones in our hands. And yet, you know, there's a reason we're holding those stones, don't you? See, it's always easier to condemn the mess in someone else's life than to face the brokenness in our own story. And see, holding stones will never lead us into life. Because all that anger all that fiery condemnation that's just a smoke screen for some hurt and pain in our life or in our story, pain towards whomever they are, pain towards them because something they did to us or offended us or we don't like or they've hurt us or we've been wronged in our story. Those stones that we hold, they reveal far more about our hearts than they reveal anything about anyone else. And yet here's Jesus saying to us, Hey, let it go. Hey, set down that stone. I want to lead you into something better. I want to lead you into freedom today. Are there stones you're holding on to that Jesus is saying, friend, I've got something better for you than that? There's a freedom you will find when you let go of your need to judge and condemn people around you. Maybe it's not stones you're holding today. Maybe there's something else going on in your story that there's another question you need to wrestle with as you look to this life Jesus wants to give you. Maybe this is the question you're wrestling with. What mess are you caught up in that Jesus is calling you to walk away from? Man, there's a reason we get laid out in the dirt. At one point or another, in. An Every single one of our stories, we will be there or we've been there. <laughs> and we get laid out in the dirt, not just because of some angry mob. We get laid out in the dirt because we're looking for something that's missing. But what we're chasing after doesn't fulfill it. It only leads us into brokenness. See, so here's what I think is true of you and me. There's this deep thirst in our souls, (laughs) this deep thirst for this God we are created for, that when there's brokenness in the story, we don't have that connection, and so that hunger, that thirst is still there, so we're still looking for it. Man, I have it. How about you? And we're trying to find fulfillment in all sorts of things in this world around us that we think will satisfy us, I mean, maybe it's that relationship that you're pursuing that That in your heart of hearts, you just know isn't right. It's not what God wants for you. It's not what God intended for you. But we chase it anyways, and it doesn't satisfy us. It only leads us into embarrassment. Or or maybe it's that that bottle you pick up because you just need a shot of liquid courage as you're going through life, or you're just trying to quiet the pain you're feeling, but it doesn't work. Or it works for a little bit until it doesn't, but it doesn't satisfy Or maybe there's just this deep discontentment in the echoes of your soul. And you think that if you could just find the next thing and chase after the new adventure, you'll you'll get what you're looking for. But all it's causing you to do is to chase what's out there and miss the life that's happening right around you. See, there's this thirst that each of us has. If we're not careful, it can lead us into the dirt. And yet here's the amazing thing about Jesus. When he finds us in those places, he doesn't condemn us. He doesn't condemn us because he knows we're thirsty. And yet what's so revolutionary about Jesus is that he doesn't condone it either. He doesn't condone it because he knows that that thing, whatever we're chasing, can never satisfy us. He knows that only he can do that. So instead, he shows up in our story without condemning us and condoning what's going on and invites us into something new. He says, hey, get up, shake off that dirt, leave that behind you because I have a whole new life for you. I can give you what you're longing for. This is why Jesus stood up in that moment in the festival and he says these words. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Catch that. Catch what Jesus is saying. That's not a fulfillment that's found out there. That's a fulfillment that's found in here because Jesus is now at work in our stories. It's a fulfillment that he promised to bring us. Jesus said that he would give his spirit to come into our lives and Lead us into the life we were created for. Giving us the the satisfaction, satisfaction and longing we were looking for. Giving us His peace, His power, hope for a new day. This is what Jesus wants to do for us. Jesus offers this to us. He offers us to come to Him and find the fulfillment, the satisfaction that we're longing for. So friends, if we want to step into that life, Let's drop the stones. Let's drop the stones because we've been set free and we don't need to play the petty games anymore. And let's get back up. If we've been laid out in the dirt, let's shake the dirt off. It doesn't define us. Jesus is calling us into something better. We've been set free and there's life to be found in Him. And so may you experience his revolution at work in your life this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.